Hi everyone, welcome to the Happy Health Podcast. I'm your host, Amy Catania. Each week we'll discuss all things to make you happier and healthier. Hope you enjoy the show. Amy, welcome back to another episode of the Happy Health Podcast. Today, I have a very special guest, my husband, my business partner, my soulmate, (laughs) Ray Catania, and he is here to talk about common myths in the training world. So, welcome, Ray. How you doing? Fantastic. (laughs) He's very excited to be on the podcast, if you can't tell. His enthusiasm is just shining through. So, all right. So, we're going to go through one thing. We uh, For those that are new to the podcast or uh, this is your first time listening, Ray and I have owned a personal training gym for 12 years. So, we have heard all the things on working out, training, nutrition, and everything in between. And I really wanted to focus this podcast on common like myths or like misconceptions that people have on training specifically. So I've talked about like diet myths and mindset stuff, but I'm bringing him in because he is the trainer extraordinaire. This is not my forte. Um, he really knows like programming and the, the body in a way that I just don't. So I brought in an expert. So one of the things, anything you want to add to that? No, let's let's. <laughs> Let's go. Okay. Question number one. Okay, question number one. So what uh one thing that is very, very common is deadlifts are bad for you. Do you hear that often? Uh I don't hear deadlifts are bad. I think people are afraid to deadlift. A lot of people do injure themselves, unfortunately, doing deadlifts. Um, but usually if that does happen, it's usually a case of either poor form or you haven't been taught correctly, or, you know, core strength. But if you think about it, in terms of the deadlift motion, uh, you do it every day. You know, if you're picking up something off the ground, or you lift up groceries off the floor, technically that is a, a deadlift. So uh, they're not bad for you. It's actually one of the best exercises or hinge movements, as we call it in the training world, for uh, your posterior chain, which would be like glutes, hamstrings, etc. And it works your entire body. Um, and then plus we have tons of tools nowadays to work around that. I think the common thing that happens is people jump right to using a barbell, uh, to complete a deadlift. Nowadays you can use a hex bar, which is like a, if you're not familiar with that, it's a, um, I don't even know what the shape is. Like kind of like a hexagon. Is it a hexagon? (laughs) That's called a hex bar. (laughs) Blonde hair moment there. Um, It's okay. We have those all the time on this podcast. (laughs) So you can actually step inside of the bar, which um, the the pro of it is it displaces the weight to your sides. Whereas a barbell, if you've ever done a deadlift, if you can picture it, uh, you have to lift the barbell from in front of your body, which places the weight and stress more so on your low back. And for somebody that doesn't have good core strength, that could you know turn into a bad situation. Or you can go all the way down to like just using one kettlebell, for instance. Uh, which is the same thing allows you to place the uh, weight in between your feet, uh, which will, again, just take more stress off your low back. So uh, long answer, no, they are, they're not bad. Uh, it's definitely one of the best exercises, in my opinion, uh, in terms of calorie burn, strength, uh, all the stuff, even you know core, core strength building, if you do them right, of course. But um, yeah. So... What would you say to somebody that 
has injured their back on a deadlift from doing it. Maybe they weren't taught properly, like you said. They, they, uh, their form was bad, and now they're kind of scared. But you just said all the reasons why it's so good for your body. How do you recommend them getting back into it? Like, you know what I mean? Like if they have lower back issues. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, I, I wouldn't train in pain. So, like, if you're in pain during the movement, then something's wrong. Uh, obviously, you could always get advice, get a, get a you know good trainer to show you how to do it with proper form. We but know typically, a place. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the other the other thing you can do, you know, as I said, the the most regressed form of a deadlift with with weight would be using a kettlebell. Um, and the other thing you can do is just limit the range of motion, right? Because you you're basically trying to do a, a pull movement so you can take a kettlebell and actually pull from say like a, a short step box uh, which will take the range of motion out of it or, or some of it which isn't necessarily bad you can still load that pattern right so you can still increase weight right but the shorter range of motion may take away the pain because if you have uh, maybe it's a, a tension issue in your low back or strain um, but I, I would encourage anyone not to train through pain and then the other thing I'll say is definitely focus on uh, core control I think when people that are untrained it's it's usually harder for them to control their core so definitely focus on like drawing your navel in uh, before you pull the weight off the ground or um, from the step or box but that'd be probably the simplest yeah. way yeah and if you don't have access to a trainer like just uh, maybe just literally, I'm sh almost all of us have somebody in our life that is in training or in some capacity knows how to do a deadlift. Like just getting somebody to to retrain you on how to do that because it is a common exercise that you see in a lot of classes. And we get people all the time that come to our classes and come to our gym to train with us. And they're like, oh, I didn't realize I've been doing a deadlift wrong this my entire life or the whole time I've been working out. So even if you're like, I know how to do a deadlift and I hate them or blah, 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 like make sure you're getting somebody else's like to watch your form. Like I am a trainer and have been for a while. And when my trainer's training me, he's still correcting me. He's still like, hey, put your hips back. He's like these little tweaks. So even when you know, there's still stuff that can improve it and take it to the next level. So anything else to add on the deadlifts? Uh, no. And then, I mean, one other tip would just be to watch yourself in a mirror. You know, if you, I think people, for the most part, if you're, again, depending on, you know, what level of training you're at, a lot of people have extreme rounded shoulders from sitting at a desk all day. So, like, when you hinge, you ideally want, you know, somewhat of a flat back uh, while drawing your navel in again. And you can see that more easily in a mirror. Um, and if you're, you know, if your low back is curving, you know, that's just a, a bad bad sign uh visually for you to know that you you know something needs to be changed and then other thing i'll say is you know a lot of people will go to like lunges uh because deadlifts have such a, a bad you know rap for some people but uh lunges can actually hurt um people with you know hip or low back instabilities more uh because of the the split nature of the stance so in my opinion once again i think deadlifts are sort of given a bad rap but uh, I would actually argue that I would have somebody deadlift before I even, you know, go to go to a lunge that requires more stability. Yeah, for sure. Like I know me personally, I have lower back issues and I was able to deadlift way heavier 
um, and work up than lunges. I had to do body weight lunges for quite some time because like what you said with like the split, with like the leaning over, it was like a lot. But okay, so the next myth I want to discuss, a misconception is, um, so people were like, give me what ab exercises I need to do to lose my belly fat. Or like, they're like, mm-hmm. oh, can you incorporate more, more core, more abs into my workout uh, because I want to lose weight there on my, particularly on their stomach. Can you address that one? Yeah, I mean, the the answer is always it depends. Uh, if you talk to anyone that, that speaks in absolutes, in my opinion, that probably means they, they haven't had enough experience um, versus, you know, real, real world experience. Because if you live in absolutes, it probably means you haven't experienced everything. But uh, what I'll say is you can't target or there's that common myth that you can't, uh, what is it called? Spot train. Spot train, yeah. 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 Uh, you can spot train. I think it depends on your body fat levels because uh, there there are studies that have proven that you can spot train certain areas. And I mean, if you've been training long enough, you know, like if you really dedicate more training volume to specific areas of your body, uh, you will see a result. However, uh, most people that ask these types of questions are like, what exercise can I do for abs? Uh, usually they're significantly overweight or carrying more body fat. So what I would say is you're better off doing more core stabilization and strengthening exercises uh, versus like sit-ups or crunches because that that's not going to help you lose body fat more quickly. Uh, what will will be doing total body workouts uh, to burn more calories and putting yourself in a proper calorie deficit. But there are no magic exercises that are you know just going to get you a six pack tomorrow. You have to literally lose enough body fat and your your body fat percentage has to be low enough in order for your abs to show. To see it. Yeah. So uh, I think to, because you get an all real sciencey. So you said like core versus abs, like sit-ups and stuff. So what would be a core exercise that is common that people would know so they can understand the difference between like just doing sit-ups and what you're saying to focus more on core exercises? Yeah, you're better off, uh, I mean... Aesthetically speaking, if your body fat levels are low, then you can do what we call your typical like flexion exercises and they, they will make your abs pop more like crunches and, and sit-ups and like hanging knee raises, that kind of stuff. But from a in terms of like strengthening your core, especially if somebody has low back issues or you just mm-hmm. want to fix posture, uh, you should be doing exercises or focusing on exercises that are more um, tension-based without flexion. So that means... Exercises that challenge your core from a direction, right? So think plank, right? So holding a plank, uh, that that's challenging you to like not let your uh, low back sink into the floor, right? So it's creating tension, but you're holding it, right? And then we have things like payoff presses, which is basically like pressing a cable out in front of you and there's tension pulling from the side, right? What that's doing is basically making you brace, right, under a load, those types of exercises are more efficient for actually strengthening your core versus like, you know, getting on a, uh, um, what's the common one, like an incline or decline bench and just doing a ton of sit-ups. For most people, if you're untrained, it's just going to cause more low back low pain because yeah. um, you're, you know, there's no stability there and you're just like flexing and ex- extending your spine the whole time. Yeah. So what... I mean, I don't know if you can even answer this, but is there like a body set, body set, a body, I can't even, body fat percentage that you would say like you can make your abs pop versus 
Like, where's the where's yeah. the line? Yeah, for sure. For, usually, for for males, uh, typically it's it, some of this is genetic too, because some people carry body fat more in places than others. But for men, it's typically I would say in the eight to twelve percent range. Mm-hmm. Uh, eight would be for somebody that has like you know a, a hard time losing body fat. For most guys, though, probably like ten to twelve. Mm-hmm. And then for women, uh, women are pretty lean at like twenty one percent. Typical or, or like optimal ranges for women is is considered to be twenty three percent body fat. But if if you want like six pack abs for women it's it's usually i would say sub 20 so like 19 18 percent like getting into those lower ranges but yeah. it definitely varies by person for yeah. sure and then how much it also depend on how much muscle mass you have as well yeah for sure i know when i was uh training like i didn't actually start seeing definition of my abs until i was under 20 percent and we were doing a ton of abs like between core i mean between pure bar and all the stuff that i was doing it was it wasn't until I dropped body fat that I actually started seeing it. And it wasn't that my core wasn't strong because my core is so strong that my trainer was having trouble like actually making my abs sore because I had strengthened it in, in pure bar. And that goes to Ray's point. It's like there's a difference between having a strong core and actually seeing abs. So like when, when we get that question on like, oh, I need to incorporate more abs, the, the whole point is, you know, you need to focus more on dropping body fat by doing total body workouts and like obviously focusing on your nutri- nutrition. We've talked <laughs> about that in other podcasts, but just overall dropping weight everywhere will help you see that definition, will help you lose belly fat and then you can start focusing on making them pop more. Yeah. And then, and then to, to give you an example, like, you know, aesthetics don't equal strength. You know, I think that's a common misconception. Like you, you would think, or I think most people would think if somebody has a six pack that they probably have a strong core. That's the furthest thing from the truth. There, there are plenty of really thin people that have six packs genetically, and they're like probably some of the weakest people. I'm not saying that's everybody. Yeah. But we we have plenty of examples. We've actually had trainers yeah. in the past uh, that come in with with you know like literally full on six pack athletic build. And they're strong in like their primary list, but you you put them in like a plank. Uh, we've had some guys like have literally have low back pain um, and things like that, which means that their core is weak or there's instability there. Yeah. So funny story. We we actually did. So we do like team building things at the gym, um, and I'm obsessed with Pure Bar, as you know if you've been listening to this podcast. And so I had them do a private class for just the trainers. And let me tell you, to raise point, so many of the, the trainers would struggle buzzing because uh, if you've ever taken Pure Bar, they have a like core section, like it is just like straight up like abs and core and all this stuff. And the guys were like dropping like flies. I wish I had it on tape because it was so hilarious. So it's important to understand that seeing abs doesn't always equate to having a strong core. And I actually think having a, as somebody has lower back pain. Having a strong core is way more important than having aesthetic abs. You'll, that's something you can get. Sure, we can work on that. But you still want to really, really focus on having that uh, strong core because that's going to help you in the long term. Right? Yep. Yeah. I mean, okay. It depends on what you want at the end of the day. I think everybody should be should work. <laughs> You're all diplomatic. I'm like, no, you need a strong core. Okay. Um, another common thing, um, and we actually, I actually did a post about this, is... Women sometimes don't want to lift heavy 
we had we hear that a lot they'll tell our trainers they're like we're like go up go up go up and they're like no because i don't want to get bulky i don't want to lift heavy and i mean you can read my post on my thoughts on that because i went a little thing <laughs> what are your thoughts on that yeah i mean it, there's a lot to unpack there <laughs> go but, for it but you're not i mean at the end of the day lifting heavy is not going to um lead to getting bulky per se uh, I think the problem is, and I, and I have to explain this to um, women specifically, usually that are, you know, have, that are overweight. Um, basically, how to think about this is if you have a significant layer of fat, let's say on your arms, uh, for instance, because it's easier for people to picture, uh, the moment you start weight training, and you, let's say you have not been training at all, uh, you are going to break down tissue, which therefore creates inflammation and will also create water retention. So what tends to happen in the early stages, like let's say your first six to eight weeks of training, uh, you will have inflammation from not training in the past. And in turn, that is going to make you feel like you're more bulky, right? But you actually haven't been training long enough to lose body fat, right? So as you, as you start to drop uh, body fat by being in a you know calorie deficit and doing total body workouts, burning enough calories, and you lose body fat, uh, that swelling and tissue will start to shrink, if that makes sense, after you start adapting more quickly. But untrained people don't understand that. Like they start feeling like a tight feeling. But if you have a ton of body fat already on your arms, it's going to feel like you're, you're bulkier, right? And there's going to be a, a short period of time where you have to deal with that until you lose body fat. And then the other side of this is to get bulky, uh, you know, in, in quotes, I don't know, some people probably visualize like giant bodybuilders or uh, guys with massive amounts of muscle. You have to eat in a calorie surplus, like to, to gain muscle. Um, that's a separate myth. Like fat, fat does not turn into muscle. You're either losing body fat or gaining muscle. And to gain muscle, you have to be in a calorie surplus. You have to be eating more than you're burning, right, to put on muscle tissue. The only caveat to that is if you're a beginner, you will by default gain some muscle. We call that like beginner's luck because um, you've never trained before. So your body will, you know, take the stimulus and adapt to it and put on some muscle mass, but it's not going to be like Arnold size muscle. So lifting heavy is not going to make you bulky. We have tons of evidence you know to yeah prove against that so i i have something i was taking notes while you were saying this so one <laughs> thing that <laughs> what you said was that you said six to eight weeks and i thought that was important because i go so hard on this podcast talking about like longevity like doing podcast i mean pod, doing habits for like 90 days and just letting your 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 body your mind whatever you're working on build up and you're saying six to eight weeks you're gonna feel you're gonna see that inflammation but six to eight weeks is a long time if you think about it like it's a long time for newbies to get rolling and a lot of times people want to see the results so quickly and i think that's so important that you said that because i always say give it 90 days whether it's a weight loss whether it's a uh, you know, it's a mindset goal, whatever it is, you're not going to really see that flip until at least three months. And you're saying that you, you can go two months of being inflamed. So I want you guys to listen to that and actually hear that when, like, if you haven't been working out for a while and you start lifting weights and you start feeling your body be different, you're actually on the right path. But, but if you don't have this knowledge and if you don't know this going in, you're going to think, 
I'm messing up. I, this is not for me. And you're going to switch to something else, even though you were probably a month away from seeing really great results. Right. And plus you, you tend to, you tend to lose last what you first gained. If that makes sense. So like if you picture, picture, (laughs) if you picture like the first time you started putting on body fat, you know, let's say you, you're very thin now and you start gaining weight and you put on body fat first in your belly area, then it starts going to your legs and it starts going to your arms. Your, your belly fat area will be the last to go. I don't know, you know, the, the exact science on that. I just know it to be true. Genetically speaking, uh, most people lose whatever they put on first. They'll lose that last. Uh, and then the other thing I want to say too, besides the inflammation, the other side of this is um, with the, if you are carrying a ton of body fat, uh, it's going to take more like blood flow to get there as well in terms mm-hmm. of training. So like usually you're you're losing that layer last, right? I'm always mm-hmm. thinking, because women specifically, um, you know, if you're significantly overweight, usually you're carrying like the back of your arms and regions like that. And those areas can really, how do I say this, give you that, that feeling of like swelling when yeah. you work them. Um, and because you have body fat there, it's going to feel like, you know, you're quote right. unquote getting bulky. Um, but you're not getting bulky. You're just this, you're creating some inflammation and then you haven't shrunk or lost that body fat yet. Yeah. Yeah, so I know you mentioned like guys like bulking, but I want the I think a lot of people see like the CrossFit girls and like these girls that are bulk a little bit bulkier than the average female, and you have to understand that these women are training and eating in such a specific way that the pop, most of the population is not. So it's like they, I think we equate, uh, a lot of times we get people, clients coming in and they're equating lifting heavy to what these girls are different. I mean, doing, and they're in a very different realm. So you have to listen to what Ray was saying and like really break it down. And, and there's the reason we actually have clients lifting heavier is because why, well, why is that? We went through why it doesn't actually make you bulky. Why do we want people to actually, what's the science? But well, we don't really lift. I Not mean. like heavy, but just like going up. So let's say somebody's like, I don't want to lift more than like 15s. And they're doing that for like, they're squatting, which is 15s. Yeah. Like, why would we want them to go up to like 20s? Like nothing I crazy. Mean, that's, I mean, that's the, I mean, in reality, you don't have to. Uh, you can burn calories without doing that. But the stimulus uh, creates you know, a better, a more, how do I say this, a metabolic effect that stimulates growth hormone. Um, but there, there's the most concrete science on training is progressive overload, uh, which is fancy words for like increasing your volume or load over time, right? So that's why you, you consistently want to uh, be either increasing your weight or progressing exercises in a certain way that challenge you because you will adapt, right? And, and you need a new stimulus to create change. Yeah, and when you say volume, what does that mean? Because not, not everybody's going to know what that means. Volume, by volume, I mean, you know, like when you're training, you can change reps, you can change weight, you can change sets, you can change rest, right? So all those factors uh, can be manipulated to increase volume, right? So like mm-hmm. it, in simple terms, just think weight times reps, Got it. right? You can, you can do the same weight uh, that you did last week, but maybe increase your reps by five, right? That, that is increasing volume. Right, but you could also just increase weight and do the same amount of reps. Right, right. 
So, and that's when you, when you say load, you mean increasing the weight as well, right? Correct. Right. Okay. So, that's why. You can get it all fancy with your words. Oh okay. So, the, <laughs> those are the, the, the three that I think are super common. Is there any other that you hear that you would like to address? Like myths? Yeah. Well, you, you did mention something earlier that I, that I was going to point out. You know, the CrossFit thing, uh, I would say keep in mind, too, a lot of the CrossFit athletes are on performance-enhancing drugs. I mean, Ayo. I just know there's no way. <laughs> there's no way. Some of the some of the women are way too, uh, how do I say this, way too muscular for it to be genetically natural. Yeah. Or uh, a lot of times, you know, in my opinion, at least from the boxes I've gone to, I can't, I'm not going to make a giant broad statement but a lot of people that are attracted to crossfit i think were ex-athletes uh because they like that environment and it, it gives them the feeling of like you know training for a sport again yeah. uh so it has its appeal there so they're naturally going to have more muscle because they were training right you know if they if they played a sport in college through high school yeah. etc yeah okay is there any other myths that you would like to go through Anything i mean else? most of them are on the the nutrition side of things which you maybe have hit in yeah. the past like you know we want to carbs are bad fats fats <laughs> are bad <laughs> any other training misconceptions training misconceptions that you hear from clients you can tell me no it's all right <laughs> i think those um, are the most common ones yeah i think i mean yeah i, I can't think of any other ones i would say just stop don't listen to like Stuff you see on, I mean, the stuff I hear nowadays is like people are like, can I, can I take something to grow my glutes or, you know, is there an exercise for this and that? Like there are exercises that target specific things, but at the end of the day, like you, you functionally want to be well-rounded. So you should be, you know, doing either upper or lower splits, total body, etc. cetera, uh, for the, the average person. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't fall into like, let's do glutes every day and that's going to. Yeah you know, help me, uh, get better glutes. Of course, you know, it will work to a certain extent, but, uh, it's definitely not the best way to train. You gotta burn your booty out. That's too <laughs> much. You can't do that every day. Okay. All right. So is there any other thing you can think of that you hear that you want to close this out with? Yeah, I think, Last thing I'll say is um, I think people, there's this thing out there now with like training variety. What's what's the buzzword? Uh, oh, muscle confusion, uh, which is pure nonsense. <laughs> um, there goes so that assumption. <laughs> I, think, I think as a whole, our population has gotten so used to uh, being variety driven and like what's the next thing, if that makes sense. And a lot of these training facilities that are popping up, if you if you watch closely, they're basically just focusing on variety 24-7 just to appease people. You can have variety, but at the end of the day, it the most proven thing is sticking to, you know, a solid program for, say, four to six weeks. Of course, there's multiple ways to do that. Um, but constantly changing the workouts is not more effective. Uh, actually, I, I even argue it's it's worse for you because you actually don't learn how to do things properly. Uh, the other thing is like cardio and intensity versus lifting. Um, you know, there's some research out there showing you know more intense workouts in terms of like cardio could actually lead to worse uh, levels of stress versus like lifting weights, right? So 
of course it depends on the individual but I think another big myth is like you it wasn't a good workout if like I wasn't like ran into the ground and and my heart rate was through the roof and I was sweating like crazy I mean to be honest with you I think it's the complete opposite Mm -hmm. Uh, you can get really good results by having intensity with with weightlifting and proper rest periods and without having to like constantly you know drive your heart rate through the roof um at the end of the day though i think the the most proven stuff is a combination of both you know weight training and cardio but i think people tend to sway more towards the cardio side just because it's it's easier to do to be honest like it's 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 definitely easier to like walk or get on a treadmill uh than it is to like effectively weight lift and actually push yourself yeah i think it also gives the illusion like we, I mean, we definitely talk about having, a, like you said, like a mix of strength training with cardio, but I, cardio almost gives the illusion that you're getting a better workout. Like it's like because you are sweaty, because you're out of breath, because you are like, like I, I don't know, it just gives this like thing. Like you did more. Yeah, like you did more, right? Like and but it's not necessarily true. Like I know I track my calorie burned on my. Apple Watch and whether you believe that's right or wrong, whatever, it's still it's still a baseline, right? So I track my strength workouts and I track my cardio. And when I started ramping up my cardio when I was training for my show when I thought it was gonna be in September, I actually had trouble getting my like heart rate up because I had been working out so hard with strength training. Um, and so it was they they do obviously complement each other and. It, you can still get your heart rate up if you are, like Ray said, like changing the volume and, and changing the load and, and making sure that your workout is progressing. You can get really good results and get a great workout. And sometimes, I, like literally, I'll wait till like the third round of my workout and suddenly I'm just like sweating. I won't be sweating <laughs> at all. And then I'm like, whoo, that one made me sweat. And so it's like, it, it doesn't give the same. I feel like when cardio, like a minute or two in into cardio, you can start sweating. But with weight training, you're like, you don't yeah. really like sweat. And then all of a sudden you're like, holy crap, <laughs> it just catches up to you. So um, it's really dependent on making sure you're having like a good strength training and a good strength training workout and still complementing that with good cardio practices. Right. And cardio, to be clear, cardio burns calories in the moment. But, you know, muscle, the reason why people uh, that are more muscular, you know, have faster metabolism is faster metabolisms uh, is because the more the more muscle tissue you have on your body, the faster your metabolic rate. Right. So the more calories you burn at rest, you're not going to gain muscle, uh, you know, just running or, or doing cardio. That's why, you know, again, it's always recommended to do a combination and then last thing too is as you age, uh, right? We there's again tons of research. I'm sure everybody who's listening to this has heard this before, but you know, doing strength training does increase bone density as well. So as you age, it does get harder and harder to retain muscle mass, and your your bones uh, sort of follow just like your muscle mass a use it or lose it principle, right? So you'll you'll start to lose uh, bone density as you age if you're not you know applying some sort of pressure which comes from strength training. Yeah. All right. So to sum up, I think I, I was just looking at my notes for everything. And I, I think we made, we had like a, a theme regard, like through the myths, like deadlifts are good for you in the long term, right? Like they're good for your 
your overall health they're good for your core they're good for your body your posterior chain and then same thing with like focusing on core exercises why because it's going to help you in the long term that's going to help you because we sit so much as we age we tend to have lower back issues so focusing on that core is going to really help you with that lifting heavy weights ray was talking about like increasing bone density um and that's going to help you burn calories and for longer periods of time like all this stuff is always about long game. I've talked about this so much on the the podcast. Sometimes we get so focused on short term like rewards and and we forget like we're here for like a long time <laughs> ideally and we really want to focus on what's going to be the best for my body, mind, soul in for longevity, right? So when you are going to these workout programs, when you are focusing on your health, you really want to think What's going to help me in 90 days, 66 months, a year versus what can I do just this month, right? Anything to add to that? No, I think that's it. I mean, I think you just have to ask yourself, do you want to be, you know, as you age, do you want to be strong, right? And stable, or do you want to be one of those people that never got started and, you know, sort of start to, you know, develop a, a hunchback posture and like can't you know, get up, get up and down easily. I mean, all that stuff is related to strength, no matter, uh, you know, how you look at it. Yeah. So. I was getting a hunchback. You could tell me. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, you better start rowing. I was like, Oh my goodness. But I got rid of it. Thank you. IPT. <laughs> I did. Right. I, yeah. had, a, I had a hunchback. <laughs> I really did. And I think about that as well. Like my mom trained with us for so long and my mom's 78 and she was so focused on just like not falling and like working those muscles that as we age, like, you know, the the older you get, you fall, that's it. You break a hip, you, you like, it becomes really dangerous and you may not be at that point yet. I think most of the people that listen to my podcast are usually around my age, but I'm thinking like, you got to start working on this stuff now. You got to start building that up because it's almost, it's, it gets harder. It's not impossible. I've seen people do it and we've trained people that at all ages that come in in their sixties or seventies and, and work on it. But it's like, if you can do it now, why not? Why not yeah. focus it, focus on it now? Yeah. Here's one more bonus. The whole uh, oh machines. <laughs> I think a lot of people think working out or nowadays resistance training it's most common for people to go to like a box gym and they just use machines. And unfortunately... They, wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry to interrupt you. What do you mean by that? I just want to clarify. By a machine, I mean anything that, that puts you in an isolated motion, right? So like for using dumbbells, for instance, is considered using a free weight. So like doing a chest press, for instance, on a bench requires you to put your feet down. You got to keep yourself stable. You got to like stay on the bench and balance and not let the weights, you know, pull you from side to side. Whereas there are machines where you just sit, right? And then you just push a weight with a lever, right? So the machine is doing a lot of the work for you in a sense because you're not that it's easy in any way. Like I don't want to get pissed off the bodybuilder world and all that. (laughs) I don't think bodybuilders are listening to my podcast. They have have their place. They have their place. But, you know, we got to remember that the gyms have sort of come from the or evolved from the bodybuilding world. And they definitely have their place in terms of physique and isolation. Um, but for the general public, like they should be using, in my opinion, more free weights because it'll challenge your core more. You'll burn more calories and the intensity by default will be higher versus just like, say, sitting and like pulling a lever with one arm to do like a, you know, a, a one arm back row. Like, yes, you will get stronger because you're isolating, 
but it, it takes less work and capacity and stabilization for the untrained person, which isn't necessarily good long-term. Love it. All right. So, um, obviously we own a gym. So if you, need, <laughs> if you need help with that, we do offer online training, uh, if you're not in the Allen, Texas area, but if you are, where can they find us? Uh, they can just go to our website, personal training, uh, or of course you just Google infinity personal training, Allen, awesome. Texas. And we are coming soon where we are. <laughs> Uh, opening <laughs> tentatively in the next what four to five months in uh frisco on the frisco little Elm border cool okay so if you guys need help with that you know you can always reach out to me ask me questions uh but like i said we do if you're in the allen area you can come see us or you can we do offer online training we have a, a fantastic our head trainer actually runs that program and he does workouts he does all the things he watches you on zoom if you want that like so it's it's Good, right? So anything else you want to wrap up? Nope, that's it. I think, I think we said plenty. Well, I think, <laughs> well, thank you for coming on and being my expert guest today. Right, thank <laughs> Thanks for having me. All right. I will see you guys next time. Thank you so much for listening. If you're enjoying the show so far, it would mean the world to me if you could take a moment to write a review. Also, be sure to subscribe on the platform of your choice to get updated on the next episode. The Happy Health Podcast is now on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and all other major podcast platforms.